This morning we're going to look at what is the fear of the Lord? From the Bible, obviously, what is the fear of the Lord? I won't tell a bunny story. My wife does that much better. What is the fear of the Lord? The Bible, the Bible talks a lot about it. If you do a word search on the fear of the Lord in the King James, that specific phrase, fear of the Lord, is found 30 times. And another phrase very similar called fear the Lord, which is more the commandment, you fear the Lord, is also found 30 times. So those two phrases combined are 60 times in the Bible, you know, specifically in the King James Version. Similar amount of times in other translations, versions as well. Many of the earlier references to the fear of the Lord was God commanding his people to fear him or orchestrating situations that would cause them to fear him. Those are found in the early parts of the Bible. But then even into the New Testament, we have Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Acts 9.31, where it says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So the fear of the Lord even carries on into the New Testament, into the early church. It's something that God desires his people to have. So it's clear from Scripture that we're to live in the fear of the Lord, but what does it mean for us? Sarah asked well, what does the fear of the Lord mean? And we had an answer given, and, and that is correct. But first, let's talk about what the fear of the Lord is not. What it is not. It is not to be afraid. It is not a phobia. It is not a dread. Those sorts of things. People have lots of different fears, or we've even termed them phobias, as I said, which are irrational things that they think may cause them harm. They actually, if you look it up, they, when they have a word with a phobia, they just simply look up a Greek or a Latin word for meaning of something and add phobia at the end. There is no end of how many phobias there are. If somebody has a fear of something, they say, oh, that is, and they look up the Greek or Latin for what they're afraid of and add phobia to it. So, because I was trying to find like how many phobias are there? You cannot find, a, you can find lists of a hundred but it says these aren't, you know, all inclusive. There are many others that are out there. Our point really isn't to talk about phobias this morning, but that this is not what the fear of the Lord is. It is not something that makes us anxious or afraid. Like a phobia, if you have a great fear of something, spiders or water or being in a closet and a, you know, claustrophobia or whatever, some one of these, it will make your heart beat faster. It'll make you nervous. It will make your mind go into overdrive. It'll make you want to pull away from whatever that thing is. The fear of the Lord is not that in any sort of way. In Proverbs, we're going to read a few verses in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 29 through 33. Um, and specifically highlighting the first and last verse of this section, I'm going to want to point out a couple things. But this is what it says, Proverbs 1.29, They hated knowledge and chose not the fear of the Lord. So this is talking to a group of people who didn't choose the fear of God. They rejected my advice. They paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. Verse 33, but all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. 
So here you've got in the beginning, verse 29, that talks about what it talks about the fear of the Lord. It says, and it says specifically, these people rejected the fear of the Lord. But verse 33 says, those who listen to me are those who follow the fear of the Lord, live in peace, not because everything's perfect in their life, but because they're untroubled by the fear of harm. It doesn't say stuff doesn't happen to them, but it's not something they're fearful about. The fear of the Lord is actually the antidote to phobias and other fears. It makes people look to God instead of being very worried or anxious about other things in their life. So again, the fear of the Lord is not to be afraid of God. And I have a couple of examples. One who is afraid of God or afraid has something to hide. And we have the perfect example of Adam and Eve. What did they do when they did something that was against what God wanted them to do? They ran away from him. They withdrew and they hid. So somebody who has a fear or is afraid of God is not going to draw in close to God. They're going to pull away from him. But somebody who has the fear of the Lord will run away from things that displease God and that run away from disobedience to God and will draw close to the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the opposite of being afraid. Proverbs 16, verse 6 says, By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil or turns away from the things that displease the Lord. I have a couple of examples that I thought of as well. Abraham, in the account where the, the angels come to Abraham and he's there and they're talking about what's going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. In this account in Genesis chapter 18, it says that the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood still before the Lord. So the Lord was there. Abraham stood there. Was he afraid? The next verse says, Abraham drew near to the Lord and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? He had a respect for God, a reverence for him, but he was not afraid of him. He drew near to the Lord to approach him with this request. We also have the example of Moses and the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 20, verses 20 and 21. Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you. So don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't be nervous. God is here to test you or to try you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. So what did the people do in Exodus 20 verse 21? The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. So even though Moses said, look, don't fear, don't be afraid. God has come that you may fear before him. Or the fear of him may be before you that you don't sin. And the people were like, no, uh-uh. You go, Moses. You go. Were they afraid? Yeah, they were afraid. But they didn't have the fear of God. The fear of God causes you to draw close to him and to run away from the things that displease him. Fearfulness will make you run away from him or try to hide, as in Adam and Eve or the people of Israel. So what exactly is the fear of the Lord? It's not fear. It's not anxiousness. It's not worry. It's none of that. 
The Bible doesn't have a specific verse that says, the fear of the Lord is, here's the definition. It doesn't give us one of those, uh, specifically laid out in a verse or in one specific passage, a full definition. There are many various verses that mention what the fear of the Lord is and the effect that the fear of the Lord has on our life. And we pull thoughts from a whole number of those to come up with a summary conclusion or a summary definition as Guy gave us earlier. The fear of the Lord means you, res you respect him or you honor him. Those sorts of things come from thoughts from many different verses in the Bible. And Pastor Bailey put uh, together some of those thoughts in the book on the, his book on the journey of Israel. And he put the definition for the fear of the Lord as this. Godly fear is the desire to please the Lord and a cautiousness not to displease him in any way or come short of his purposes. So a godly fear is the desire to please the Lord and a cautiousness not to displease him in any way or come short of his purposes. We heard in the children's story this morning an example of the fear of friend, what we as grown-ups would call the fear of man, compared to the fear of God. And Sarah and I were talking about this last night. They are really the same thing, but to a different person. One is to God and one is to people. When we fear man, we recognize that phrase as like, we're afraid of what people will think of us if we say something or if we do something. We're worried about what people will think about us. Well, the fear of the Lord is when we say something or we do something, we want to do those in such a way that God will be pleased with us. They're really the same thing, but one is an honor and a respect for the Lord, and the other one is being concerned with what people think of us instead of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a learning process as well in our lives. Solomon told us this in the book of Proverbs. We'll read a few verses there in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Many scholars believe this is what, you know, some of the stuff that David and Bathsheba taught to Solomon as they were raising and training him, and then he jotted them down. But anyways, it says this in Proverbs 2, starting in verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So he goes through a whole list of things and says, my son, if you do these things, you will understand the fear of God. It will make sense to you if you live this way. And perhaps the thought of the fear of the Lord, if you've heard it before, or maybe you're hearing it now, it's a little confusing to you. Well, then I would, I would encourage you to pursue what is written here in Scripture to be able to understand the fear of the Lord. First, we've got to receive His words. We've got to go to the Bible. We've got to spend time in Scripture. We have to treasure His commands to us and value them. And then it says we've got to make ourselves attentive and inclined to wisdom and understanding. It needs to be our attention and our pursuit. It says we need to cry out for insight 
to cry out for understanding and even to seek them like silver and hidden treasures, like stuff that's very valuable that we would greatly desire. Seek those things. Seek insight. Seek understanding. Ask the Lord for them. Pursue them. It says, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. Sarah mentioned a verse in the children's story this morning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible says, actually, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is the beginning of understanding. And it is the beginning of knowledge. Now, in all of these three things, it doesn't mean it's the, the summation of them, but rather the foundation of them. When it says the beginning, it means the first in place, time, order, rank, chief, or the principal thing. So think of this. The fear of the Lord is the principal thing in getting wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the chief or the first in rank in order to have good understanding or in order to have knowledge. If you're taking notes, those verses are Psalms 111, verse 10, and Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Say those things about it being the beginning of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. That means the fear of the Lord is the basis, the starting point to be able to have those. And we can look at our country, we can look at our worlds, much of our world, and some of the ideas that they're coming up with and go, that's crazy. How are they coming to that conclusion in whatever their, you know, stuff that they're presenting? And we can look at choices that they're making, even involving the lives of other people, of unborn babies or the elderly or people that they're affecting by the decisions they're making. And we can go, that's wrong. We know that's wrong. But the basic root problem is a lack of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of God's wisdom and God's understanding and God's knowledge. So really the prayer for us and our country and our world is, Lord, bring your fear, bring the fear of the Lord, and it will change our country. It will change our world if people would but fear the Lord. In the Bible, it refers to something called the spirit of the fear of the Lord. You may be familiar with this passage in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2. It says, The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. So it specifically says the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Well, what is it? What is the spirit of the fear of the Lord? It's something that can come on an individual or even in time, other times past, it's come on whole cities, even whole nations where people turn in respect and reverence to the Lord and turn away from whatever sin that they've been involved in. It can also come, I have uh, three examples here where it has come on a person that has affected many people who are around them. In his book, uh, that Pastor Dan Karam wrote on the, the rise and fall of the Christian church. He wrote this. He said it about um, Charles Finney, Reverend Charles Finney. It has been said that Reverend Finney would walk into some of the factories unannounced and unknown, and oftentimes the spirit of the fear of the Lord would fall upon the factory. Women would begin to scream and cry out to God for mercy, even falling on their faces. Most of them did not even know who Charles Finney was. 
It was the anointing upon Finney that stirred such a reaction. He seemed to possess the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And it's true. When he would go to places, people would just break down and weep before the Lord just because Charles Finney was there, even if they didn't know him. But he carried the spirit of the fear of the Lord. There's a passage in the Old Testament with the prophet Samuel, and it specifically says he came to the town of Bethlehem And the elders of the city came out before him, trembling, and said, Do you come in peace? Now, Samuel was not an army. Samuel was a man. He was one person, and he's coming to a a town or small city or whatever you want to call it. And they came out to him, trembling. Why? Why would they ask, Do you come in peace? Well, Samuel was known for bringing the word of God to a place. And so they were coming to him in that awestruckness, you could say, like, are you coming with a good word from God? Are you coming with something that's not good for us? And they were trembling in that. So Samuel had that in a sense, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, that they would come trembling about what message he was going to bring. The best real life example, because I like to use modern day examples, the best uh, real life that I could think of, for those of you who knew him, was Pastor Bailey. And I would, I'm not the only one who would say this. Now, if you knew him, he was like a kind grandfather. Many times. Very you know, kind, did what was right, but a kind elderly gentleman. For the years that I knew him, it was an elderly gentleman. His demeanor was not judgmental. He was not an angry person. He was a kind person. But when he was there, there was a feeling that you'd better not be hiding anything in your walk with God. And many people said that. I wonder, you know, I better make things right before the Lord. But he had that, that feeling. And the best way I can describe it, it's the spirit of the fear of the Lord. When he was there, you wanted to make sure your walk with God was right. And again, that's not because he was angry and judgmental, but he carried that spirit of the fear of the Lord that made you want to live right in your walk with God. I see many of you nodding. You, those of you who knew him, you recognize that. It's not because of his personality, but it's because... He had that, that on him, that anointing. So people can have that. And God can even move in our own lives in that way. You know, first, our, that our walk with the Lord would be right, that we would respect God, that we would honor the Lord. We want to live to please him. But he can even work through us to bring others to have that desire as well, to want to please the Lord. The Bible says, as well, another thought on the fear of the Lord, it says it's his treasure. In Isaiah 33 and verse 6, Isaiah 33, 6, it says, And he will be the stability of your times, abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord, in, in the ESV, the translation here says, The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. In other translation, it says, The fear of the Lord is his treasure, or God's treasure that he can give. It's, it's a very precious thing. You know, Zion represents where God dwells in the Bible. It's a very special place. And so the fear of the Lord is the treasure of those who draw near to God, who want to draw close to him. Again, it's precious and valuable. The fear of the Lord affects how we live. It will change us in the way that we live here on earth. Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, the fear of the Lord is a hatred of evil. 
The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. And when we have the fear of the Lord, we want to avoid anything that displeases God. It makes us go, I know according to God's word, God does not like this. Therefore, I am going to avoid that evil. Evil is opposition to God. It is what is opposed to him or against his very nature. Jesus brought this out when when somebody came to him and said, you know, good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. What he was saying is God is complete goodness. There is no evil in God. He is good. And so evil is what is opposed to him or against him. I found this example in in Exodus chapter 18 and verse 21, when Jethro was instructing his son-in-law Moses to set up the leaders and the judges over the children of Israel when they were um, out in the wilderness. And he said this to Moses about the people that Moses should pick for this sort of task. In Exodus 18, 21, he said, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, And the final thing he said is, and who hate a bribe. So look for these things, ones who fear God, who are trustworthy, and who hate a bribe. And he was giving two examples, really, of those who fear God. Somebody who fears God will be trustworthy. Somebody who fears God will hate bribery. And why? Because God is just. Because God is right. And taking a bribe in what it's saying in this case is somebody who's willing to take a gift or a benefit to pervert justice, which is against the very nature of God himself. So what Jethro is saying is, pick men who avoid evil and who are trustworthy good guys when you're picking the leaders of your people. So again, the fear of the Lord affects how we live for the Lord. There's a few passages that I found when I looked up the fear of the Lord or fear the Lord I found three specific verses in the book of Leviticus that I don't remember ever reading. I had to have read, but I didn't know that they talked about the fear of the Lord in the book of Leviticus. And it gives three specific, very practical things for how we live in our relationships with others in a way that is fearing or respectful to God. And the first of these is in Leviticus 19 verse 14. Leviticus 19, 14, you shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. And at first, when I first read this, and when you first hear this, you might think, who would ever do that? I mean, come on, cursing the deaf, they can't even hear you, right? Putting a stumbling block before the blind, they can't even see you. Why would somebody go out in the path of a blind person who's walking and put a block in their way to make them fall on their face? That's against what most people would do. But God is teaching us a lesson, I think, through these things. To curse the deaf is to say unkind or worse things to or about people who can't hear you. I want to ask for a show of hands if we've ever done that. I'd be guilty, right? But God, said that, God says that is against fearing me. When you fear me, you respect me, you want to live in a way that pleases me, you're not going to say unkind or worse things about other people when they can't hear you. 
They can't defend, if they can't hear you, they can't say anything about themselves or in defense of themselves or to correct your thoughts about them. It says, if you fear me, you will avoid that. To put a stumbling block before the blind, I mean, the best thing I could come up with would be to give perhaps advice to somebody that is good for you, but you know it's really not good for them. You're doing something for your benefit, not for theirs. And they don't really know it, but you do. And that way, that person is blind to what is going on. You wouldn't say those things, and I wouldn't say those things if people could hear us or me, and we wouldn't go about putting tripping hazards in people's way if they were watching us. So it's saying don't take advantage of people, especially if they're not aware of what's going on. And if they knew what was going on, you wouldn't be doing that anyways. So fearing God is doing what is best for others, even when they're not with you. They can't hear you. They can't see you. You're still doing what's best for them. Here's another one in Leviticus 19, verse 32. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. You shall fear the Lord. I had somebody stand up to honor me this morning. I, I see them laughing here because I said, I'm not that old. You know, you don't have to do that to me. But it is a clear thought in the Bible that you show respect to somebody, especially when they are older than you or, or, or elderly in that sense. And the Bible actually says that is part of fearing the Lord. When you show respect, I think we could say to anybody, it is a way of, of having or showing the fear of the Lord. It causes us to treat others, especially the elderly, we'll say that, with a respect. All right, one final one from Leviticus in chapter 25, verse 17. Leviticus 25, 17, you shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. This one summarized everything. Don't wrong anybody. Don't wrong one another. Why? Because you should be fearing me. You should be honoring me instead. And when you're wronging somebody else, you're not honoring me. That's the clear connection, the clear tie there from Leviticus. So again, three thoughts of how the fear of the Lord will change the very practical ways that we live here on earth in our relationships with other people. One final passage on this thought of the fear of the Lord changing how we live is in Psalms 34. In Psalms chapter 34 and verses 11 and 13 and 14, this is the passage that starts out with King David, who wrote this psalm, saying, Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So I get this picture of David sitting on a stool, saying, Come on, kids, come around. Come here. I want to teach you. I'm going to teach you how to fear the Lord. And then he goes through, he lists a number of things in two verses that are just very practical for people to do in order to fear the Lord. And he's teaching them. This is what you do that shows a reverence and a respect and honor for your God. And in verse 13, Psalms 34, verse 13, he says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. So how do you fear the Lord? 
kids, as he was saying here, grown-ups to all of us, how do we fear God? We keep our tongue from evil. We keep our lips from speaking deceit, from what is wrong, is a way that we show fear, reverence for the Lord. When you fear God, when I fear God, we will speak goodness and truth, because those are things that honor the Lord. And then in verse 14, he carries on with thoughts to this group about how to fear the Lord. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek, or seek peace and pursue it. So two other thoughts here. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And when we fear the Lord, we already talked about this. We will want to avoid what is evil, what is wrong. We will want to do what is good in God's sight and what is right. When we fear the Lord, we will pursue being at peace first with God and with others as well. As much as lies within us, the Bible says, live at peace with everybody. As much as lies within you, don't spend your time quarreling and fighting with others. That's not the way of God. It's seeking to live at peace, not in agreement. There's many things and people we disagree with, but we still seek to live at peace because this represents God himself and is a way to show that we honor him. So come children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Very practical things. The fear of the Lord will change how we live very, in very practical ways. So again, what is, in conclusion, what is the fear of the Lord? What is the fear of the Lord? It's really breaking it down to the smallest and simplest definition. It is to care what he thinks about us and live in a way that pleases him. That is to fear the Lord. It causes us to avoid evil. It causes us to avoid anything that is against God. And it causes us to pursue his heart and his ways. And it really causes us to treat others right, to show them the love of God even when they can't hear us or see us. So I conclude with two questions before we pray, for all of us, myself included. Do I have a strong desire to please the Lord and a cautiousness to avoid displeasing Him in any way? Do I seek to draw close to God or do I try to run away because I know I'm not doing something that's right. Those are honest questions that you can answer for yourself. But fearing the Lord is to live in a way or want to live in a way that pleases Him, to draw close to Him, to love Him, to seek to honor Him. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us to learn the fear of the Lord in our lives? We've gone through your word. Lord, thank you for all the things you said about what the fear of the Lord is and how it changes us. We've got some more information on that from your word this morning, Lord, but your word is supposed to change us, to impact how we live. And so, Father, I pray for all of us here, Lord, if there's a way that we're living that is outside of what represents you and the true fear of the Lord, a true respect and honor for you, in, in maybe our walk with you or even in our, our relationship with other people. Help us to adjust that, Lord. 
Help us to show our respect and honor for you by the way that we live here on earth. Would you work these things out in our life? And we thank you, as we often do, for your mercy, for your grace, for your love uh, on each of our lives. You are so patient. You are so long-suffering as we continue and we learn in our, our daily walk with you and we grow in you. You are patient to teach us your ways and to show us your love. And we thank you for that. I pray that you would bless your people as we go now. I also pray that you would, again, be with the music in the park event later, and would it be a blessing to you and an outreach in the local community there. And we just praise your name. In your name, amen. Amen.